Are you looking to wager on all the big events in sports? Well, I have awesome news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Playoff season, the golf majors, you name it, get it done with Bet Online. And hey, it's really easy to get started as well. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by MyHotTub.com, Carvel of North Syracuse, Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay, and our great friends over at Batavia Downs Gaming. Make sure you go stay and play and uh, eat all the great food at uh, you know the 34 restaurant. Uh, it's terrific stuff. So um, get on over to Batavia Downs Gaming. Check them out online, by the way, and on all the social pages uh, at BataviaDownsGaming.com and on Facebook because you will see daily posts and updates of certain things. They have packages. They have a concert series. It's really, really cool out there at Batavia Downs Gaming. Well, I am thrilled to bring on to the program uh, author Dan Good. Uh, it's a brand new book that just came out. It's, it's called Playing Through Pain, Ken Caminiti and the Steroids Confession that Changed Baseball Forever. Online where books are sold, major bookstores near where you live. It is uh, Dan Good with us here on the ML Sports Platter. Dan, congratulations. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So Ken Caminiti, I mean, it, it, it just feels like so long ago um, I guess the first part I wanted to, to dive into was when, when Ken Caminiti decided to make the decisions, you know, the PEDs and all that, and then obviously the confession, you know, his timeline and how it really created, um, you know, a, a big sea change in baseball, Dan. It did create a big sea change in baseball. Uh, he decided to start using steroids in 1995 and into 1996. Uh, he he tried a uh, kind of a short program for 1995, and he had a lot of success with it. And, you know, was kind of interested in ramping up for 96. And he had a shoulder injury very early in the season in 1996. Uh, he actually had off-season uh, rotator cuff surgery at the end of the season, and it took months and months and months to heal. Uh, and this injury happened the first week of the season. So he was looking at the possibility of, you know, having a, you know, this deep injury that would keep him sidelined for the entire season. He actually considered even uh, retiring at one point so he could heal and get healthy. He didn't want to be a burden on his teammates and not play. Um, so he was really wrestling with a couple different options and he decided that he wanted to pursue steroids to keep him on the field. And, uh, obviously they worked really well. Uh, you know, he enlisted a friend of his to help, uh, set up the steroid program for him. And, uh, through those drugs and through his talent and through his ability, he was able to, you know, have his career season and win the MVP award. 
you know, and then after that season, you know, you, you do all these things and you win uh, this award and you have so much success and you say, okay, I'm going to keep doing this stuff because it works so well. Um, so he, you know, continued using steroids uh, throughout the remainder of his career. Um, you know, at a certain point, you know, 97, 98 on forward, uh, he, he began drinking and using drugs again. And, and that really um, was devastating as those things reentered the picture for him. Uh, and, you know, and then uh, 1999, um, when he was with back with the Astros, he actually had a steroid shipment of his intercepted from his friend. His friend had sent him a shipment of steroids. It was intercepted by the Astros. And at that point, uh, he began, um, you know, finding his drugs through other means. And I think uh, taking some really toxic chemicals that were, you know, just doing a number on his body. And he just continued to break down and have these bad injuries. Uh, so his career came to a close after the 2001 season. He was arrested soon after that season ended in a Houston hotel room. Uh, he was charged with a crack cocaine offense. Uh, he was in the hotel room with two other people. You know, it was just a really um, sad and um, kind of surprising thing to happen to, you know, such a star athlete like that. So he went to rehab after he got arrested and through that rehab process, he really focused on owning his truth and being honest and open. And, you know, he wanted to, I think, let teams know that he was still around, that he was, you know, doing the right things to improve his life. You know, he was clean now and he was an open book. And he got contacted in early 2002 by a producer for CNNSI who wanted to talk to him about his life. And, you know, obviously steroids was an element of that. And uh, he invited her to come to a Nevada hotel room. He was at a motorcycle rally at the time and they spoke about his life, his career. They talk about steroids. And uh, at that point, uh, they decided that they were going to save this uh, confession, this admission, this voluntary admission for Sports Illustrated because CNNSI was shutting down at the time. So they gave the story to Tom Reducci. He does his own interview with Ken in Texas at his house in Texas. And then the uh, issue comes out, uh, you know, about a month later, a couple weeks later. And uh, 20 years ago this week, actually, was when it uh, first came forward. So it just it was a huge moment for baseball. But, you know, everybody looks at um, the way that he came forward and this admission and he's saying 50 percent of players are using. And, you know, obviously, players were very uh, worried about this, frustrated, uh, upset. Uh, some people were calling him a rat or a snitch. And in reality, he was just trying to live his own truth and just be open and honest. And obviously, he opened up a can of worms. You know, the steroid era, it, it, it'll drive you crazy. Um, it, it, it happened. Uh, the numbers got out of control. Um, the home run thing, it just it was so cheap during the steroid era. It felt like everybody could hit 50. Um, and so I've always said, and they're never going to do this, I understand, but I've always said that Major League Baseball, because they turned the blind eye to it, they hid behind the curtain, they needed people back in the seats to, you know, get the finances going again. You know, they turned a blind eye, and there were a ton of guys using steroids, and it changed record books, and it changed reputations and different ways we think about people. And it's going to keep guys who you can't tell the story of baseball without out of the Hall of Fame. Shouldn't baseball at some particular point, and I don't care if it was with conjunction, in conjunction with the Hall of Fame, Dan, shouldn't they step forward finally and say, here's the era, you know, build a wing in the Hall of Fame to educate people years down the line? Because this happened in the game, you know, it, it happened. What, what would you do? 
I, I would recommend that sort of approach. You know, I think the players in the Hall of Fame should be judged against the era in which they played. And you look at players from the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and they were playing during an era that was uh, well known to have performance enhancing drugs uh, throughout the game. It was it was rife. It was all over the place. It was happening. Um, we don't know who was and who was not using. Uh, we, we don't have this magic crystal ball that we can go back and say, oh, you know, Nolan Ryan, Cal Ripken Jr., Roberto Alomar, uh, Barry Larkin, every single player from that era who's in the Hall of Fame. We don't know whether or not they used. They can say they didn't use and that's all well and good, uh, but we don't know. So you have this weird thing going on. I mean, you, we had a person in David Ortiz who, according to reports and according to his own admission, had tested positive uh, in the 2003 testing. It was a blind testing system, uh, but according to reports and other things, David Ortiz tested positive, you know, but he's a great guy, so he's in the Hall of Fame. And then we make these moral arguments about Bonds and Clemens and some of the other players. It's really disappointing and it's really difficult because all throughout baseball history, players are going to take that edge. They're going to find whatever advantage they can. Obviously, the drugs available at that time were very powerful and they led to a lot of power and a lot of home runs. Um, but I think that we need to take that into context. You know, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Fame caliber player, and whether or not he's enshrined with a plaque, he's one of the top handful of hitters in the history of the game. We cannot take that away. We cannot say, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's somehow falling short on some level. Uh, I mean, Clemens, the same thing. His stats are amazing. And even if you, you know, we'll say um, diminish them slightly for, uh, you know, the inflated era, he's still easily a 300 win pitcher i mean he's still easily a hall of famer you know it's really tough to see these arguments and these dilemmas back and forth and then to your point bud selig is in the hall of fame now there's another one uh, you yep. know he waltzed right Unbelievable. in uh tony larusa joe yeah. torrey yeah. these players were managing steroid uh aided players you know where do we draw that line and say okay, they're responsible for the era, but then other people aren't. I think if you want to hold the entire era accountable, I mean, that's a really tough thing to do. And we've already seen players and personnel from that era enshrined in Cooperstown. But then we have certain players who are being, you know, used as scapegoats for the entire era, when I think every single person involved in the game back then in some level deserves blame you know and then on the other flip side of it it's a shame because players of that era had to make that decision for themselves whether or not to use and a lot of them didn't and kudos to them um but you know i think a lot of people deserve blame and that blame i don't think is being uh, evenly distributed the author is dan good the book uh, is out online uh, where books are sold and of course uh, your neighborhood bookstore as well playing through the pain ken caminiti and the steroids confession that changed baseball forever. And you can follow Dan on Twitter as well, at dgood, the number 73, the uh, ML Sports Platter, brought to you by Burn Dairy and Bowers and & Company CPAs. Um, with, with the era, some people might say Alex Rodriguez is the face of the steroid era, or Barry Bonds is the face, or maybe even you could choose Rob, Roger Clemens. Some people might not say it's a face, but a feeling uh, that he could have been the face because of the wagging of the finger, Rafael Palmero, uh, you know, so maybe he's the fit because that's what we see. That's one of the big images, right? Uh, yep. So, okay, that's nice. All those guys are, are mentioned. They're all, you know, I think Hall of Fame players. 
Ken Caminiti, should he be the face of the steroid era? I mean, not just from, you know, impact change, blah, 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 but, but should he be really the face? I think he represents so much of that era. You know, the wild times, the home run power, you know, the feelings of remorse and sadness after the fact of looking back and trying to make sense of it all. I think he represents so much of that era. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to him as a figure. Obviously, he's not that Hall of Fame caliber. He was very good. He's not a Hall of Fame caliber player. Um, but I think for me, he represented something more. He represented um, that entire era, the excesses and the difficulties that would come years later. What do you hope people say about this book when they get done with it? I, I hope they think it's fair. I mean, it's really difficult to piece together a life like Ken's uh, that was, you know, on the fringes at times, that was underground at times, that was, um, he was trying to hide, you know, and it was really tough to piece together elements of a story while also being respectful to the people around him. You know, he has, you know, relatives and, and close friends who weren't interested in seeking the limelight, weren't interested in seeking attention through his story. Uh, it's just a really delicate, uh, difficult, you know, uh, story to to tell and to bring together. And, you know, it's a difficult story to read, but I'm hoping that people can um, look within and, you know, find sensitivity and compassion for, you know, the people in their lives, especially those who are struggling. And, you know, just kind of, um, you know, look at people a little bit differently. Uh, look at people with a more open heart and recognize that, you know, you don't really know what people are going through. I mean, this guy from the outside had everything. You know, he's a successful person. He's making a lot of money. He has a great family around him. He's good looking. He's attractive. You know, he had, he checked all the boxes and, you know, there were struggles that he faced that he couldn't overcome. And, you know, I think that that means a lot to us, you know, when we're looking at, um, you know, people and how they live and, um, and trying to survive from day to day. One odd thing, though, about the steroid era, uh, as it was really coming to fruition during the Caminiti years and, you know, McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, etc., it, it, it was the fact, obviously, that the players' union got so strong that, you know, they didn't have testing. And so these guys are, you know, were using steroids inside the game, but there wasn't a test. You know, they, they were technically legal, and yet, you know, they're illegal for me and you, but, you know, these guys were using them on the baseball field. Where where do you put that into the steroid conversation as far as figuring out, you know, where guys should be, Hall of Fame or not, uh, legacies and impacts, all that kind of stuff? Where does that element of the steroid era fit in for you, not just with Caminiti, Dan, but all these guys? You know, the fact that, okay, and I'm not defending them, you know, they, they st- it was still kind of pretty much indirectly cheating, but where do you land with that element of it that there, there wasn't testing? Exactly. There wasn't testing. Um, They were pretty much given an open door, a green light to do whatever they chose. And there were very little repercussions, at least on the surface. Um, You're exactly right. I mean, the union didn't want to give an inch. And obviously, I understand why, given the way that the owners had acted in uh, negotiations and, you know, all these issues that they had thrown out over the years. If I was the players union, I wouldn't give an inch either. But obviously there's a competitive balance and, you know, there's clean players who weren't using steroids who are forced to confront this situation of, do I want to use these drugs that I really don't want to use or do I want to lose my job? Do I want to lose my salary? 
you know, do I want to be able to provide for my family and get the next contract? Do I want to make the roster and stay in the major leagues? You know, the reality is, is so many people focus on Bonds and Clemens, A-Rod, even Caminiti, an all-star. There were so many, um, you know, fringe major league players uh, who were using these things. There were middle relievers who were using these things. And, um, you know, and, and I think their reasons for using them were compelling. I think they had a lot of reasons to use steroids and not a lot of reasons to say no other than the moral objection to it. And that was really tough, you know, grappling with that and recognizing that, you know, these clean players are doing everything they can to keep their job. And everybody around them is, you know, doing these other things that maybe they don't want to do, but it really would draw you to, to have to think about it. When was Ken Caminiti, do you think, on top of the world? And when was he really, really at rock bottom before he died? He was on top of the world in 96. I mean, 1996 was an amazing season for him. Uh, he leads the Padres to the playoffs. He, he reaches the postseason for the first time in his career. Uh, he carries that team with his torn rotator cuff all the way to the playoffs. You know, 40 home runs, 130 RBIs. You know, he plays baseball like he'd never played before. He's throwing guys out from his butt. I mean, he had, you know, the Snickers game in Mexico you know, he gets food poisoning, he gets liters of IV fluid, eats a Snickers bar, goes out and hits two home runs. I mean, that's when the legend of Ken Caminiti really came into focus. Um, you know, rock bottoms for him were, were there were a couple of them. Uh, one of the biggest ones was in 1993. Uh, during his time with the Astros, he was really struggling and ended up going to rehab after that season. You know, and then uh, his second stint with the Astros ended poorly. Uh, in 2000, he ended up going to rehab again. Even the World Series appearance in 1998, when they were playing, the Padres were playing against the Yankees, he was really struggling. His life was unraveling, and it was really disappointing because, you know, he he tried so hard and worked so hard to get to this point, and his his personal life, his body, everything is falling apart at the same time, at the most inopportune time, and. Um, you know, it just, it's, it's a really sad thing because you see so many good things. You see so many good moments for him and all the work and determination. And then he had these, these difficulties and these struggles that kept popping up. You know, you you look back at the what ifs in sports, you know, you, you think, you think about what if there was testing and what would the numbers really look like? And, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't have to have the conversation about the Hall of Fame like we do now. And uh, the sadness, I think, of the era is the biggest part because I, I go down to Cooperstown every year. I mean, I cover the Hall of Fame induction every year and have done so for almost 20 years. And it bothers me. Every time I go there, I know that the era happened. I want them to address it. I want them to, you know, provide an education for future visitors and, and, and take responsibility for it. But I also want all those players in because I think Bonds and A-Rod and Clemens and Palmero, all those guys are Hall of Famers. And I just am so sick of like the inconsistency that we talked about earlier. Ortiz is going in. Well, A-Rod should be in, you know, if that's yeah. the case. Clemens. So I guess after saying all of that, if if the steroid era doesn't happen at that level. Let's say that there are steroids, but there's testing. What what guy has impacted the most numerically or situation do you think is 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 so incredibly different than it is now because of the steroid era? 
That's a good question. Um, I look at somebody like Mark McGuire. You know, he was really struggling with injuries. He was using steroids in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s uh, with the A's. And he was actually um, picked up in a FBI investigation into a steroids ring. Um, you know, it wasn't anything that they pursued, but they, they let, you know, because they were going after the bigger, bigger players, they weren't going after the actual users. They were going after distributors. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the FBI communicated with major league baseball, let them know, Hey, you know, there's some players who were involved in this investigation. Like, Hey, you should pay attention to this. They obviously didn't. Um, you know, and then I even look at Alex Rodriguez's case. I mean, he got an exemption from major league baseball to use testosterone, in i want to say 2008 2007 somewhere in that range um you know there's there's a huge hypocrisy and it really is such a shame you know growing up during that time period loving baseball of the 1990s appreciating the game back then and uh the players who were playing it's really such a shame that now looking back we have to make these uh you know moral judgments of who is or who isn't when Every other era in baseball history has included performance-enhancing drugs in some way, dating back to the 1880s with Pud Galvin getting an injection of, uh, you know, some, some weird substance, this elixir that was going to help him pitch better. And, uh, you know, and people adored him for it, you know, and, and obviously the drugs have gotten better, but, you know, there was whispers of steroid use dating back to the 60s, the 70s. Greenies were all throughout the game. Um, and, and we've all kind of just shrugged about those things and said, okay, well, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, the steroid era comes through in the 90s, you know, with Bash Brothers in the late 80s on forward. And now we draw a line. Now we care. It's, you know, it's really disingenuous and disappointing. And I adore those players. You know, look at Bonds. Uh, look at uh, McGuire's stat line. Look at, um, you know, some of these of those other players who have gotten whispers and, you know, accusations thrown at them. Uh, we don't know. The reality is we do not know. And, you know, it's really just a shame that, you know, these players get pulled out or pinpointed and, you know, now they're not in the Hall of Fame when the Hall of Fame should be an educational, uh, you know, tool to teach about the game. You're exactly right. I mean, I think there's a chance to uh, to let people know about this and be open about it, but to embrace that era as you would any other, because, you know, it was an era. It happened. You can't shy away from it. Um, you know, it just it's disappointing that um, these players have gotten punished the way they have. Final thing for you, do, do you think that performance-enhancing drugs are in the game today, and at what level? It's a good question. Um, I, I do believe they're in the game. I don't think that they're at the level that they were before. Um, you know, you look at the number of players who test positive in a given year, and it might be five, six, seven, eight, and you know that more players than that are using. I think they're getting smarter about the techniques. They're getting smarter about the drugs they're taking. Mm -hmm. Um, you look at this off season when the players were locked out, there was no testing at that point. So you had what, four months of, uh, you know, open season for players to use whatever they wish. Uh, you know, I, I do think that it's still happening. I'm hoping it's not at the level that it was before. And, and we haven't seen the whispers or the, uh, jarring stat lines to suggest that it is, but you know, I don't think you're ever going to see performance enhancing drugs leave the game when the contracts and opportunities are so big. 
Um, but obviously you want a, a clean level playing field and you want every player to have the same opportunity. Playing through pain, the Ken, Ken, Ken Caminiti story, it's a fantastic read. Uh, Caminiti and the Steroids Confession that changed baseball forever. The author is Dan Good. Go get it online where books are sold. Uh, and, of course, uh, bookstores near you. And you can follow uh, Dan on Twitter uh, also at uh, at dgood, the number 73. Again, it's called Playing Through the Pain, Ken Caminiti and the Steroids Confession that Changed Baseball Forever. Thank you, Dan, so much. Continued success, and uh, I'll keep having you on. Thank you so much. It sounds great. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends over at the Al and Angus Pub, Bowers & Company CPAs, and Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual. New York State tax efficient retirement planning. Go with Brian today. Advisors.massmutual.com. And uh, wanted to throw a tip of the cap thank you out there as well to Camilla's Golf Club, Rosie's Corner, and Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. Huge, huge spot with Dan Good. Uh, congratulations to him on the new book on Ken Caminiti. Just a great conversation. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.